Anyong, welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake. I'm Darren, and uh, for one final time, uh, by myself, I'm going to be talking about Season 5. In this case, the penultimate episode of the season, question mark series. Um, episode 15, Courting Disasters. Uh, and that description of this episode, directed as ever by Troy Miller, and written by Mitch Hurwitz and Jim Vallali. We have no pre-credits for this, uh, but of course it is worth saying that this episode is the final appearance of Warden Stefan Gentles, uh, as played by James Lippen. Uh, rest in peace, James. I'm sure that uh, the Warden is now showing his script to God. After the credits, we jump back to 1982, where we see the Mr. and Mrs. Bluth contest. Uh, this footage has been interspersed throughout the uh the, the show and we actually find out later on in this episode where it has come from um, when I first watched the show I was kind of puzzled as to why the characters of um, you know young uh, George and young Lucille were no longer played by you know the actors that were playing them in season four and were now being played by Colby Smulders and Taron Killam and so the reason for that is revealed in this episode when we find out that this is all footage from uh, Making a Murderer, I think it is. Uh, the the previous... Well, it's identified as the Imagine Bluth project, but it is revealed to be called Making a Monster, um, which is obviously a play on some of the uh, true crime stuff that has been happening in the last kind of decade. Um, we start off with one probably one of the, the best Easter eggs the show has ever done, as Lindsay sings Edge of Seventeen, uh, which is what her age is. Um, you know, she is 17, she's not 40. <laughs> um, this is obviously something that we know as the audience from season three. You know, we know she is older than Michael. And so uh, we also have, you know, there's the line about, you know, a dove and Job is looking at the dove in the cage. Michael leaves and Job steals Michael's magic act as his talent. Um, and we get the, you know, he, he when Michael leaves, he, he, he coins the phrase, I'm guessing, because this is the earliest occasion, uh, occurrence of it. That was a freebie. Um, you know, Michael obviously goes looking off for Buster, who is off his leash. Uh, his gentleman's collar, as it is uh, correctly described. Um, and this is also where we get Joe's famous phrase, when a trick goes wrong, where he says, but where did the confetti come from? <laughs> and then, um, you know, he accidentally, um, you know, hits his pocket to stop a dove from moving. And this is the first dead dove uh, in his career. Um, and it's funny because when Michael and Buster come in, obviously Buster has been swimming when, you know, he obviously shouldn't. And Michael uh, gives him the kiss of life and he, you know, he, he saves Buster's life, basically. And um, they are then crowned Mr. and Mrs. Bluth, which is out of all the kind of like talent contest stuff. I think that's kind of the, you know, the funniest thing. It's worth saying as well that Lindsay you know, has a list of talents on the uh, on the, the poster, you know, listing who, you know, the kind of running order of, of who is going to um, perform at this uh, particular contest. And she does some tap dancing with a sheet over because obviously, you know, her mother keeps um, making jabs at her. Um, it's, I, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, the, even though this isn't really like a flashback, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a recreation on a TV show. Uh, they they it, it's probably one of the reasons why the stuff that Kobe Smulders feels like extra cruel. Although I think as a viewer, you can imagine Lucille saying some of these things to Lindsay. Um, we come back to the present, which is still a few years ago. 
And uh, Dusty comes in, he's got a new haircut, but he's very worried because his dad's in the hospital. Of course, this follows on from the previous episode. Um, Michael uh, arrives at court late, just in time to see Lottie Dottie Dar show us the footage of Buster disposing of the body off the back of the stair car and talking about the missing five minutes at Cinco de Quattro. Um, and then there is, there is a, you know, uh, Lottie Dottie Dar sums up who Lucy Ostero was and says that she was, you know, the most generous, charitable, beautiful Lucille um, in Orange County. And Lucille objects, and of course, the judge says, I'll allow the burn, which, you know, and I love that Job is the one that kind of just laughs at it, and he's like, sick burn. And I, I, I don't know, it's, I, I, I just kind of love the, the interactions in this court. Uh, this is something, obviously, that they did really well in the first season, so it's nice to see them kind of return to this setting. Um, we, we find out, basically, that Dusty is incompetent. This is his first ever trial, and he's he's basically never, like... He, he's never been inside a courtroom and, you know, he's extremely nervous. But of course, Lottie Daydar will not call for a mistrial, which kind of confuses the Bluffs, uh, considering how terrible Dusty is. Um, and then, you know, we find out that Lucille has made a terrible mistake. Uh, she doesn't say a huge mistake, unfortunately. Uh, she paid a carnal visit to Dusty's father, in, the, in her words, to get a head start. Uh, the implication, I feel, being quite obvious there. And they kind of cut to... Um, the lights coming on at uh, you know the the mansion from the previous episode, and Lucille, um, you know, obviously realizing what she's done, basically putting this person in the hospital, something that I think does not get resolved before the end of this season. So uh, we find out that you know um, Lottie is actually Dusty's ex stepmother, uh, making him a mother boy, <laughs> which is I I still don't think it was worth the you know, the kind of six or seven episode build up to that, that payoff, like, you know, the, the whole time he keeps viewing Lucille as a mother, not a lover. And obviously this is something that Lucille is used to doing. You know, she either, she says later on, she either creates them or attracts them. Um, and so at this point, Lottie, you know, says that she's going to give Dusty a hug. Uh, the judge, of course, uh, allows it. <laughs> and we, we find out how bad Dusty is. He, you know, he, he, he kind of, He's just so terrible at being a defense attorney. It's quite funny. Um, and then, of course, we get... Uh, I mean, it's kind of an odd an odd bit of business, but we have Tobias being called on possibly as a character witness. Um, and he keeps doing these things where he says he's going to do it in a British accent. And, you know, um, he inquires about the money, the money situation for appearing as a character witness and also asks about the, if the room is locked up at night because he's looking for shelter. <laughs> so... Um, but he, in the course of this, he reveals, of course, that he had asked for Buster to take part in the Fantastic Four musical and be in the Rock Monster suit, uh, which, of course, for legal reasons, we cannot call the thing. I, I think it's interesting because if you're a viewer, you remember you remember all the Fantastic Four from, stuff from last season, which was some of the stuff that I actually quite enjoy about season four. And we obviously know that Buster was set off by the use of the phrase monster. Um, you know, he attacked Herbert Love. There's like, you know, all of that stuff is kind of shown. Um, so we're almost led to think that, um, you know, this is going to be, uh, you know, the thing that makes it makes it clear that Buster is innocent. And we cut to Michael in the attic at the model home and he's looking for his law books um, and his maritime law degree. Uh, I like that they kind of like they went with that as Michael's, you know, it was just a kind of passing joke about, you know, you're a crook, Captain Hook. And and then, you know, the, the whole stuff with uh, 
with Maggie Liza, and then it's kind of just turned into this thing that you know the, the kind of maritime law is like you know his his whole kind of it's like the other thing that Michael has aside from the family. Um, and I like how George Michael kind of chides Michael for the way he kind of gets in the middle of everything and he has to save everyone. Um, and you know he 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 <laughs> Michael says I'm not always in your business, and he and he quickly says you bought my business. Um, and I, I, you know, I kind of love that. And then of course he sees, you know, he sees that f he's got fake block on his phone and he, you know, he got rid of all his privacy software and he says, it's got to be good because he can't even get past the logo. The logo of which of course is just the sound of a wood block because that is what the app is. Um, and this is where George Michael com confesses that, you know, fake block is actually fake to Michael. So one episode before the end, it kind of makes sense that this is, you know, the, the big kind of, it's almost like when he confessed that he was in love with maybe and. So, you know, there's a little, I kind of saw a little bit of a parallel there. Um, and we got back to the trial uh, and Jean Parmesan is called to the stand. Um, and of course, you know, Lucille's reaction to Jean Parmesan is probably one of my favorite things in the show. You know, the way she gets super excited, but immediately cuts herself off. So she she goes goes back to normal when she gets into a discussion and stuff, and um, you know Jean Parmesan is called but he doesn't show up and then the bailiff walks over and takes off his beard and of course it is Jean Parmesan, and she, you know Lucille is as excited as ever, um, but now that Jean is on the stand he cannot lie, and so he says of you know a few things that Lucille doesn't like which of course makes her turn on him instantly and there's even a few times later on when. He goes to do like little reveals, and of course, she goes to get excited and then sits straight back down. Um, we find out at Cinco de Cuatro he was selling Donkey Punch, um, and this is where Lucille says, "You know, go go in hard after Jean. You know, like she's don't hold back. You know, she he was a friend, but he's no longer a friend because he's not being sycophantic now that he's under oath, basically." Um, and we find out at this point. Uh, that Gene was the rock monster. Um, the uh, Of course, he was tempted because it is a costume, and we know that Gene loves a costume. And so it's I, it's it kind of it ties things up because obviously Gene was present in the previous season, and he was at Cinco de Cuatro. So it just makes sense that, you know, he would be the one who replaces Buster. So, you know, it's a nice bit of business. Um, and we, we end up at Fake Block, uh, where, of course, Tobias, Murphy Brown and Debris have arrived. And I would say, uh, given recent events in the last few years, um, that this is possibly one of the more uncomfortable scenes. Obviously, uh, there is a, a, a there are a few kind of sexual innuendos to be expected with Tobias, um, but they all relate to Harvey Weinstein and a kind of, you know, a, a, an extended joke about that. Uh, we find out that maybe has killed off Annette. Um, and they have had to move out, and and they <laughs> they talk about moving back into this office, but unfortunately now it is fully staffed. And I like how Tobias phrases it, where he says, "We cannot move in fast enough for you," which is such a, you know. Uh, and he 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 gives a list of options that you know maybe they could you know things that they could do for them, and he includes in that a sexual harassment video. And he says, "Of course, I'm no Harvey Weinstein." Uh, and and you know, but he could produce something, and we f we find out, of course, that debris, you know, basically her ficus was killed by Harvey Weinstein, which is possibly one of the dark jokes in this show, and then of course, you know, that she she had an audition, and of course, Tobias says that you know she's just boasting because he never even had an audition to blow. Uh, again, the double entendre is pretty obvious. Uh, this leads to uh, a, a gag where you know. Um, Murphy Brown talks about how before becoming an actor, 
he worked uh, for cable companies and he would put an extra layer underneath the firewall. Um, and he, he describes it in a very long roundabout way before, um, you know, George Michael jumps in and says like a block. As as they all stand up, um, you know, Tobias says that he wants to hide his privates. And so, you know, he like he talks about how, you know, it, this this will be like, you know, a uh, someone wearing cutoffs. Basically, fake block is the longest joke way of saying fake block. Basically, I like how they all get up about to expose themselves. And George Michael's like, no, 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 <laughs> like, don't do that. Uh, and so I, I just kind of I kind of like that. But it also sets up the idea because, you know, Murphy Brown sits down behind the computer and it sets up the idea that maybe this might work out for the Bluths, you know, like fake block might be a real company and they might be able to do something with it they might be able to make some money instead of it being this you know this kind of fake ongoing joke as it has been for the last couple of seasons um and then we get to the final appearance of james lipton and i must say you know uh it it, it kind of makes me appreciate now that he's gone like the the, the kind of tightrope that he walked of being you know just the right side of kind of uh you know a kind of cartoony um, you know, everything that he said was obviously with a very kind of deliberate tone and, you know, something I don't think people really kind of um, talk about too much with James Lipson is the, you know, his voice um, and he obviously has a very distinct speaking style, uh, something which obviously, you know, became easily parodied, but I just like the way that he applies it to Ward and Gentle and he makes a joke about, you know, a little Gentle's persuasion and uh, it's, uh, just the way that he kind of is pleased with himself and everything it's so it's such a it's such a nice kind of final appearance from him um, and of course it is very green screen I d I'm not quite sure what the situation was with James Lipton I don't know you know this is only a few years ago so I don't know if he was you know uh, if there was any kind of illness or anything that prevented him from coming to set but it's kind of obvious that he's sitting like in a box against a green screen and he's not actually you know on set um, and we find out that you know uh, Lucille tried to persuade the warden to let um, Buster out of prison and obviously the way she did that was with a uh, a meal uh, which was well served they say you know it looks like it's like a seven or eight course meal with the prisoners obviously cooking and serving it um, obviously Warden Gentles has hinted at the fact that you know he has kept people in prison previously for their utility and we see over the course of this flashback that Lucille and the Warden obviously ended up a bit more you know they, they drank a lot of wine and Lucille confessed the childhood crime, which obviously is now the subject of making a monster. And the reason that making a monster is possible is because Warden Gentles, as part of the B-team, still was attached to the Imagine Bluth project, um, which was a film and has now turned into a TV show. Um, and in this, you know, I, 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 I kind of like the, 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 like, this is the most meta I think that this show has ever got, apart from, you know, the one or two occasions where the narrator calls out the fact that he is Ron Howard. And in this, it is basically, you know, Ron Howard narrating this project that they're doing. Um, and I just love everything, like, everything about it is so, it's such a, you know, such a fun kind of thing where Ron is like talking about how this is just the temp, don't worry about the music, you know, obviously we're going to do that. And then like he keeps to he, like, you know, we, we find out Lindsay is not 14, you know, obviously that Mimi who's, who eventually gets pushed down the stairs is, you know, her mother, not her grandmother, um, which leads to something from, you know, the first season where there's been a bit of confusion over, you know, who, who the person was who died while she was on a, a cruise. Um, 
but we 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 have Ron here t- talking about how you know uh, we're going to put Gene Smart's face on the stuntman as, as they fall down, and he, and he goes he goes you know I thought this you know this this was going to be very rough, but it, you know it's turned out quite well. And there's a passing mention of the standwells instead of the uh, the sitwells. Uh, obviously, you know everybody who was going to be involved in this project signed, and then they had their contracts ripped up by Michael, with the exception, of course, of Buster. Um, and you know Mimi no longer has a gentleman caller. Uh, you know Buster is off his gentleman's collar, and the two collide when Buster pushes Mimi down the stairs. And you know this is maybe the first time that he pushed an old lady down the stairs, um, who you know was the mother of somebody in the family. Um, so I I I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that this is the reveal. You know, like um, we'll find out more in the next episode about whether or not it's the correct reveal. Um, uh, but you know, I I think it's a nice little way to kind of to to finish up the kind of court stuff, um, and it cuts back to Warden Gentles, and he says, "I think we nailed it," uh, which is such a wonderful line for James Lipson to go out on. Um, and then we get to the on the next. Um, you know, this is actually you know quite a quick moving episode. Um, there's a lot of story kind of packed into it. And we find out that Murphy Brown is you know good at computers basically, <laughs> and I like that. You know, we're being set up here, you know, in both senses. You know, the, the trial is obviously setting up um, what will happen uh, in the next episode with regards to the kind of the verdict and whether or not, you know, Buster is guilty. Obviously, Michael is also, um, you know, he's he's gone and got his, his maritime law degree. So he's he's ready to kind of come back into the court in the next episode and be a lawyer. Um, you know, bubbling under this, we've had the stuff with the Chinese and the war, which, you know, was set up in the last episode and will be paid off in the next episode. And then we get Murphy Brown possibly saving fake, fake block, um, you know, showing a, a copy of Gone Girl that he uh, downloaded off the Internet, which is all scrambled. And uh, we'll find out more about that in the next episode and how, you know, he's not quite the savior we think. Um, but before they go, you know, he says, does anybody want to see Ben Affleck's peen? And of course, um, th- this is where Tobias like jumps over the desk enthusiastically, as does Debris. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny way to end the episode. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, here we are one episode before the the, the finale. And, um, I think that, you know, this is, this is a, a kind of a quick fun episode. Like I said, I'm not a fan of all the dusty stuff and the fact that he's just another mother boy, it kind of feels redundant. You know, Michael is going to come in in the next episode. It feels like we could have got to Michael, you know, being a pretend lawyer, you know, sooner, yeah, there is a, a setup in this episode where um, Michael is looking for his few good men DVDs, and of course uh, that will that will end up being the payoff in the next episode. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I th- I think this is an enjoyable enough uh, kind of episode. There's a lot of plot in it. There's even quite a few uh, kind of gags that are, are kind of you know very meta. Um, all the stuff at the end is quite fun though. You know Ron Howard talking about <laughs> how the project went, and the, you know it's just it's just a, it's just a nice kind of. Uh, payoff um you know and also if, for anybody who kind of up until this point you know kept seeing all these flashbacks in 1982 it, it kind of fully explains that they're not really flashbacks you know they're kind of footage of the imagine bluth project that we've seen interspersed within this particular show um, of course the the you know the how how you know the camera crew that have been following the bluth for all these years um you know got the footage and why it was put in is never really made clear but you know, it's it's just a it's just a nice little meta gag, but yeah. So you know, I I quite enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, I think obviously season five has a bad reputation, but 
you know, this is a this is a quick enough episode. Final appearance of the warden. Final appearance of Jean Parmesan. Um, and you know, not too much of anything else. No, noticeably, obviously, you know, Lindsay isn't in the episode, uh, but also maybe isn't in the episode. Uh, this might, this I think is one of the the few episodes this season that uh, that Arya Shawcat has missed. Although, of course, the next episode is double length, so maybe she was just contracted for sixteen episodes, <laughs> but. Uh, so yeah there's nothing more to say about episode 15 so i will see you on the next and final episode of i've made a huge mistake